you have to understand too, in India, there are these farms. And you have picnic tables and there's about 40 people in here. And there's a phone and there's a computer and like, go make me money. Yep, when I was in Mumbai, kind of doing, rolling around there, I was like, holy moly, that is a farming center. All they're doing is calling to scam people. As amazing as most modern technology is, we just can't ignore the fact that some people don't always use it with the best intentions. I mean, some essential pieces of technology we use every day, like our smartphones and cameras and GPSs, and then combined with social media, they have led to this increase of stalkers. And it's bad enough to be spied on by a creeper, but what about being tracked and followed? I mean, just knowing someone is two steps behind you is enough to send shivers down your spine, right? And, and worst of all, with modern GPS technology, it's easier to do than ever. When we think about stalkers tracking your location, we typically think of like, well, they have a bug or some type of tracking device. These are miniature radios that emit a GPS signal, and then they wirelessly transmit location data. These are really easy to find you want to buy what's called a bug sweeper. They check the area for these broadcasting signals, and then you can pinpoint the exact location of a GPS tracker. Maybe it's in your car, maybe it's on your person, and then you can catch it in the act. They even sell these GPS bug sweepers on Amazon. One is called the Anti-Spy RF Detector. Not only does this little thing find GPS trackers, but also hidden cameras and microphones that may have also been installed without your knowledge. But what if the stalker is in your phone? When StalkerAware is installed on your device, it lets somebody remotely access your camera, your microphone, your GPS data from a distance without your knowledge. And there are some red flags if you have this type of StalkerAware on your phone. Like, for example, data usage. It's the biggest one. You're going to see a spike in data usage because the StalkerAware is constantly streaming your activity to whoever has installed it. Maybe your phone gets hot. Yeah, that's a big red flag too. Heavy data use leads to another symptom of StalkerAware, which is an excessively hot phone. And maybe you're getting pop-ups. So many of these apps also contain adware and these nasty bits of code that can just throw all these kind of pop-ups onto your device. But there's another type of stalker that is actually more sinister than what I just mentioned. It's the person who just seems to know like what you're doing at any given moment. They're in your device. They're in your social media. And then things can get really dangerous. So here, take a listen to this call that I got on my national radio show the weekend of May 22nd, 2021. It's Dana from Virginia Beach, Florida. My question starts out, uh, my daughter has an unknown stalker. She just completed her freshman year in college. Wait, she has an uh, unknown started... stalker? And she, wow, she's frightening. Yes, yes, it's very frightening. Um, she has an unknown stalker. It started when she, in the fall time frame. Um, she thought she could handle it herself finally notified me in January. Um, I had to bring her home, took her back, filed the police report. Um, Since then, you know, of course, their advice was to change all your social media because it was through Snapchat, Instagram, things like that. So she changed those four times. This person still finds her. Here you have, imagine, your 18-year-old daughter who's being plagued by some weirdo whack job stalker. And then for three months, she's trying to handle it herself because she thinks that she can. I mean, When you were 18, you thought you could do anything, right? Mm, It got worse. Initially, the report was filed with the uh, police around her university. Um, They took a report and said, you know, don't worry, we'll issue a warrant for, because they were contacting her. My daughter had changed her social media accounts, and they kept finding her. So they said they were going to contact Snapchat, um, Instagram, um, all those avenues to send a warrant for the username to find out the IP address and find the person, um, and that not to worry. 
If anything changed, let them know. Um, and then as it ramped up, they said, well, we can escort her to – I said, she can't leave her dorm to get something to eat. Her, her roommates aren't there. She, you know, I don't want her going alone. So they offered security, but then they never did another thing. They only used one username, and this person's contact is under, like, a plethora of them and got nothing back but an IP address and said it's out of state, and, and that's all I've gotten. So imagine you're 18 years old. You're just getting your life started. You're out of your parents' home for the very first time. And you want to have fun. You want to party. You want to have that college experience. But you can't because you don't have any freedom because you are being constrained by a stalker. She doesn't go anywhere alone. Um, if she goes anywhere, I have a live 360 on. I watch her, and she texts me when she gets there. And she's 20. She's 20 years old, and she doesn't have the freedom that every 20-year-old cannot wait to have when they start college. What's really great about hosting a national radio show is that I have this incredible contact list, and they are really, really great people who love to help. They really do. And when I call them, they don't charge me, and they typically don't charge the listeners to. As a matter of fact, I can't think of any time that I called help for anybody and they actually charged a listener. And in my contact list, I have an incredible private investigator who lives actually here in Arizona. His name is Rich Robertson. And I've known Rich for 20-odd years, and he's helped us solve many cases here over the years with the show and with our listeners. And when I called Rich and I told him what was going on, he said, "Mm, I'm not the guy. I'm like, oh, darn it, Rich. You're not the guy. And he's like, well, I'm not the guy, but I know somebody who is the guy. And his name is Rico Danielson, and he is phenomenal. Now, let me tell you, whenever Rich Robertson uses the word phenomenal, I'm like, yeah, This guy must be really good. So today here in Kim Commando Explains, we're going to talk about how we actually found Dana's daughter, Stalker, and how you can find a stalker and the tools that they use. And then, you know, Rico is so amazing. The conversation went in so many different directions, and I just felt like I could talk to him for about another two hours. You're really going to enjoy this Kim Commando Explains. So stay right where you are. Before we get started, we first have to say a few thank yous to our partners in this podcast because, well, they make things possible. So, Rico, how long have you known Rich Robertson? I want to say about 10 years. Whatever Rich calls me, I will drop what I'm doing. I don't care what it is. He's an amazing guy, an amazing amazing. PI. How I first got introduced to him is that I had a call from a woman in Albany, New York, and she was an emergency room doctor. Mm -hmm. Her 16-year-old daughter was extremely bright, and she got an early acceptance to Villanova University. And the mother called me to say that the daughter, over the summer, went into a foreign exchange student program. Okay. And the family in Germany calls her and says, you know, we haven't seen your daughter for a couple of days. Hmm. And And she's like, what do you mean you haven't seen her for a couple of days? Well, she went to Spain with her uncle. And the mother says, hmm, uncle? Which one? I I don't have any brothers. There are no uncles. So she can't find her daughter. She calls me, and we're going through the the girl's computers and her Snap accounts. And it wasn't Snap then. It was MySpace or whatever it was. (laughs) And and I'm just like, you know, just at a loss of trying to help her. Yeah. Obviously, bright mother. Mm -hmm. Obviously, bright daughter. Mm -hmm. So Rich goes to work. 
And he calls me about three days later, mm-hmm. and he says, "I bingo, I got her. Oh, there you go. And I said, really? He said, she's living in a trailer park in Durango, Colorado. Now, remember, she's 16. Right. With a 53-year-old man oh boy. that she met online. Uh, ouch. Yeah, and so then I had to tell the mother, yeah. and then I ended up getting a voicemail from the daughter. That was just nasty. She's like, I don't know who you are, <laughs> but just get out of my life. I'm in love. Of course you're in love. Of, of course. course you are. Of course okay. you are. Because so, you're 16, you know everything. Of course. Absolutely. Do you remember that? I knew everything. <laughs> well, Before law school, I knew everything. Okay. And then, but <laughs> when did you get like really smart? When? Solid 13, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I regressed. I remember getting really smart around 24 or 25. Okay. That was when I looked at my parents and I was like, Wow, you guys are amazing. Right. You know, it's it was really very, I've been so blessed to have you as a mom and dad. That's good. Um, all right, so Dana calls me. Got it, yep. And she's all frustrated. Yep. She doesn't know where to turn. This 18-year-old daughter mm-hmm. of hers is getting stalked by somebody. Right. And Dana's upset because her picture is now on social media and porn sites and dating websites and... And apparently this person knows what they're having for dinner. She went to the police. She doesn't know what to do. And then I call our good friend Rich. (laughs) Rich. And Rich says, there's only one man for this job. Got it. And that's Rico. And so he tells me about your background. Very impressive. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, tell everybody about us. So, um, I mean, where do you start, right? Like I'm a Southern boy from heart. But all the way, um, you know, prior to that, you know, before, after that, it was, you know, losing my parents at 15, kind oh, of wow. wandering the streets and whatnot. And then I made it a great, great decision to join the military, right? Went to the Army, became a grunt, and then I deployed. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And it was at that point when we're on a raid in, in Ramadi, Iraq, uh, there was this guy who came with us. He was a staff sergeant, not from our unit. And he said, hey, you know, whenever the, the raid was done, we snagged the back people, grabbed evidence. And he said, hey, do you want to see something cool, man? I was like, yeah, sure. What's up? And then he's like, watch this. And it was this this old encase block thing, and you just plug it in, boom, and just dead on the data. This is before encryption. This is before passwords, everything like that, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God, that's cool. That's pretty cool, man. And I actually had a grown-up moment like we just talked about, right? I was like, that's going to be at the consumer market here real soon. I know it's going to be a big need because only the military had this and only law enforcement or barely law enforcement. What year was this? This was the invasion of Iraq. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I went, right. I went to the invasion of Iraq. I remember kicking in doors and stuff. Kept in contact with that guy, right? Um, you know, as the years progress, I said, hey, um, l- show me a little bit more about this FTK imager or the end case, you know, the, the, the evidence processing. And cell phones, remember when Nokia cell phones? Remember the yes. burner? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're so cool. Can you slide your phone? <laughs> um, Although I had a razor phone. Oh, just I like, apologize. If it was pink. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So those are so easy to dump. You're just, that's just metadata in and metadata out, right? And so I just got to know that process. Um, I, you know, got my bachelor's and I, and I made a really big decision. I was like, you know what, uh, I'm going to go back overseas again as a contractor, uh, as an OGA operator. Wow. Yeah. As a private security operator for the embassies. We we're just talking about this, um, uh, you know, about, you know, for different agencies, you know, we are the security force for hostage negotiation, ransomware negotiation, uh, and going to get people right. And snagging and bagging people. And so, you know, after a while, you know, you work for various agencies and various government organizations, if you will. Um, you realize your body just can't take it. And like you're talking about protecting State Department people, different agencies, different politicians, 
different presidents wow. of companies, CEOs, and you go into these weird countries, and you're you're months of persons. You ever seen the movie Thirteen Hour? Yes. So exactly like that. Oh, that, wow. that's what we're doing. That's twenty four seven. Twenty four seven, and physically, then, emotionally mm-hmm. draining. Yeah, yeah. So the physical part is you can muscle through that. When you get home, it, your body just dumps it, right? So I, a lot of my friends are still in that game, and I can I can look at them, and that's all they have, right? I made the decision probably at my like 28 years old, 29 years old. And I was like, I have a great idea. I'm going to go to law school. And Good for like, you. And I was like, cool. I got awarded a scholarship, went to them and they were like, Hey, you're the only veteran who's disabled, who we have a scholarship for you, please. And I was Take like, it. you got it. So it was a $300,000 scholarship. Whoa. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson School of Law. Great people. During that time, I was like, man, what's what's going on with cyber? Nobody was touching cyber. Nobody was touching forensics. And then I met the Secret Service guy, right? He came and gave a presentation. I said, hey, man, I'm pretty interested in uh, digital forensics. And he looked at me, and he goes, what do you think you know about forensics? I said, uh, cell phones. That's it. And he goes, all right, here's a path. I want you to study cell phone tower forensics. I want you to study cell phone tower, networking, and cell phones. And I did that for my last year of law school. Wow. After that... I was, I went to the, I was going to, you know, go become an attorney when I was like, man, this is really boring stuff. <laughs> you know, it just, I, just for the small amount of time that yeah. I'm looking at, I, I don't see you like as a lawyer. No, it's <laughs> like, you know, pushing contracts, you know, here, sign this, uh, you know, it's, we're going to have it in a very Arb- aggressive manner. Like, yeah. Here, ar- sign this. Arbitration, you know, no, it'd be like, here's the contract. So Boom. <laughs> and we were just joking upstairs. Cause somebody, we were talking about just a total tangent LinkedIn Oh yeah, and that, uh, because I have host yeah. in my profile, is that I get job recommendations, like oh, yeah. like host of like for the Capitol Grill. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so sure. Kip, who <laughs> works here, he's like, yeah, we just use the host for the Capitol Grill. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think your your attorney wouldn't be work right out there. My demeanor no. as attorney would just be very aggressive. What's yes. the plea bargain? You got it. You get it. Let's go. <laughs> that's it. That's, yeah, that's all you get. So after that, um, it was super cool, like very eye opening, and I realized nobody in law no cyber at all. Nobody in law enforcement, no cyber. Even right now, I, we're going to probably talk about that here in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, in law enforcement, they don't have the adequate skill set to uh, combat against cyber attackers, let alone the FBI. They have a fusion center, but they're so inundated that now they're just sending out letters saying, thanks, don't don't engage with the threat actor. I, I imagine they are inundated, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So there's so there's a fusion center in a specific state. Um, and... They're just like, okay, did you lose money? How much? Okay, we can't engage you. Unless it's a million dollars or more, the FBI is not going to help you. <laughs> yeah, and it's sad. So now we have private entities, right, such as like, you know, incident response firms, uh, digital forensic firms that are starting up now. But even those guys, the, one of the biggest famous ones, Mandy and FireEye, was hacked. And that's what, this is what they do. They protect you against hackers. That's frightening. Yeah, yeah. And they got owned. But they were really good about getting on the aggressive side of it. Um and it was just, it was it was so weird. So now I found myself in this super early stage of eating crap, right, of business. <laughs> and I remember I was like, oh, I was, I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to pay me $25 an hour to, you know, do forensics. And I remember this is when I met Rich. And I said, hey, Rich, my name is, I remember my sales pitch. I'm like, hey, I'm Rico Danielson. I do forensics. Can I team up with you? And he goes, what's forensics? Oh. <laughs> and so I started uh, working with him and, you know, mastering my skill and stuff like that. And now I'm 675 an hour. So, Wow. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. So, But, you know, throughout that process, you know, after law school, got two more masters, got 25 different certs. 
uh, and then understanding uh, the engagement of a threat actor and understanding the uh, profile development of a threat actor and what these people are, who they are, and why they do things. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna see threat actors from all ports of the world, right? India more specify uh, specifies around people around social media because they know the influence over you know, so they can spoof their accounts, they can get over with them, they can actually ask for the one hit wonders. That's why I call them, you know, one thousand dollars here, it's one thousand dollars here. Hey, why are this this case me? That's big on India and Korea, right? Then you have the more corporate side of the house, the threat actors of like. Russia, Chechnya, Jordan, Iran, Yemen. Those are the heavy hitting groups like uh, Snisic Leopard or UNK 2727. Like these are group of people coming together and figuring out how can we take down Rico's business? How can we take down the bank's business? And now they've been doing that for like the last 10 years, right? Now that the government has come down, the United States government says, hey, hospital, hey, bank, you have to, we're mandating you pumping $5 million a year for your infrastructure for cybersecurity. Now it's going to be a low-hanging fruit, such as our friend, right? Right. Or, or what will happen is this lone wolf of a person will go learn off their person's tactics, right? Mm-hmm. And the smaller mom-and-pop shops, like this, I just worked the psychologist's office here. She got hit for ransomware for $10,000, right? As a psychologist, as a solopreneur, that's a lot of money, sure. right? Um, I work one of the biggest hospital breaches here in Phoenix, and I was there, and they got, they got ruined for, what, $1.5 million, Right. Recently, I got um, on the phone with a threat actor, a Russian threat actor, and he and I were negotiating how much my client's going to pay. And because this person was actually having a romantic affair online via LinkedIn and got caught up. And so I'm on the phone with this, I would have presumed, either Russian or Chechen, and my, my, my crud's it's a little bit rough. Um, but I was like, hey, what is it you want here? And he's like, I just want money. That's all they want. They just That's want the money. They want money or... If you see the more pain point and destruction side, that's for ideological purposes. You're going to see that more in the 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 Middle East because they just want to say, I took you down and I own you. You know, I want to know more about this, but yeah. I know we got a little bit of time. I have to go to a break so that we can <laughs> say thank you to our partners who sure. make this podcast possible. So Absolutely. Rico, stay right where you are. Plenty. And I can't afford six seventy five an hour. <laughs> just telling you. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Kim Commander Experience. I am so thrilled that you're here, Rico. I am uh, the way around. I'm thrilled that I'm here. I mean, here I'm like a here. major <laughs> fan now of you <laughs> going through all this. Can I ask you a question? I had read somewhere when the pipeline went down mm-hmm. that it was a sea level who first got the note. Wouldn't doubt it. And the sea level apparently was doing some nasty stuff on his computer with the webcam during business hours. Doesn't surprise me. And they had the video, and they threatened to send the video of him doing his thing to every employee on the pipeline unless they paid up. Sextortion. Of course. Yes, I've seen that quite a bit. Um, during COVID, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this, it just showed the world who that person is really specifically and truly and also what the business is truly about um i have been called during COVID on so many child pornography cases to come get it and say hey rico i think i'm looking at cp can you help me out here check i go in there i show up on the spot i'm like yep we got to call law enforcement have to and it's a ceo of a company 
and mm. and you're like, dude, what are you what are you doing? Or ma'am, like, what are you doing? Like, you have so much to lose, right? And then they lose it, right? And the other part is uh, businesses. It just showed who was, you know, like I think um, Warren Buffett said it the best: who was swimming naked, right? The low tide <laughs> went down, right? Um, and they just sh- the COVID just showed the world saying, okay, who has the worst cybersecurity program? Oh, you do, fantastic. Let me help you out. Especially because people were working from home remotely sure. without any real security at all. Absolutely. And just tying into it. Yeah. Um, I had a call from a guy mm-hmm. who said that he got a call from Apple. Okay. Who said that they found child pornography on his iCloud account. Interesting. And they needed him to authenticate that it was him. Mm. And because it was a violation of their terms and conditions, Mm -hmm. they needed him to pay them $3,000 to make sure that his account was locked down and that the CP was gone. Gotcha. Okay. So there's a couple things there. All right. So he goes... wherever, and gets $3,000 worth of Apple gift cards. Mm -hmm. And then they call him again and say, you know what, we need you to give us more money. We need you to give us more money. Uh, He gives uh, access to his wife's bank account. Jesus. Okay. All totaled, the guy out is out a hundred, like, I don't know. It was like over, he said on the radio, it was like $110,000, $120,000. So I'm listening to this whole story. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay, if somebody were to call me and said, hi, we're from Apple, and there's child pornography on your account, I'd be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) I mean, there's just, there is no freaking way. Apple would never call you. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) So I sat there listening to this whole thing going. Buddy. Exactly, right? Don't you think? It's hard to say. I know. No, it's true, but uh, it doesn't seem that far off. And the reason I say it is because. Not only do we have a, a generation who now has an iPhone in front of them, like if, if my parents were still around, right, they wouldn't know how to use iPhone. I have an aunt that I'm very close with. She's she's young. She's youngish. And she doesn't know how to use her phone. She's like, okay. what's this? And she's always getting fished. And, I'm, and I, so now we have a younger generation or a new generation that grew up with the iPhone, right? That grew up with smartphones. So there's more affluency with it, right? So, um, so it just really depends on the experience. Uh, but at some point, I would have to ask a guy, dude, what are you, first of all, what are you hiding? Why are you paying so much? Exactly. And then second of all. Exactly. Well, yeah, what are you hiding? Let's yeah. start there. <laughs> uh, it's like, okay, there's got to be. Some re- and, and of course, yeah. we should state Apple's never going to call you. Microsoft is never going to call you. So I can tell that. you the kill chain on that one. So what happens is somebody did the reconnaissance, right? So this is part of incident response. There's five phrases, right? Somebody did the recon, which is a preparation, right? And they said, I'm going to go look for a, a data dump somewhere. Oh, there's all these email addresses and passwords. Cool. Who's that? Awesome. And I'll find out who it is. And usually a data dump has like six or seven different elements. Name, date of birth, email address, password, and phone number, right? So I'm just going to start calling people. You have to understand, too, in India, there are these farms, right? These farms, like I want you to imagine you're in, a, you're in an office here, right? Here. Mm-hmm. And you have picnic tables, and there's about 40 people in here. And there's a phone, and there's a computer, and they're like, go make me money. Yeah. I've seen them when you're in Mumbai. Have you? Yep. When I was in Mumbai, kind of doing rolling around there, I was like, holy moly, that is a farming center. All they're doing is calling to scam people. And it's big business out there. And so they don't, how much do they make when they do that? Uh, what is uh, cyber uh, ransomware now? Yeah. Is a eight billion dollar business. But how much do the how much do the, does the person making these phone calls? Well, make? I mean, just, India. You, what is it? A couple of bucks a day or something? You like pitch that? them ten bucks. How much is the ruble now? 
the yeah. American the American dollar. You get ten dollars and then it converts to the ruble. Get out of here! I just made a thousand dollars and and my family only needs three dollars. Wow. Yeah. So it's big business. You know what I'm saying? And then now the Bitcoin uh, payment. Get out of here! Now you're throwing a whole new curve bar. Now OFAC sanctions. Um, you're talking about anti money laundering. Now you're having a whole new component, right? that needs to be playing into this business asset. So Bitcoin and smart contracts, what they have actually done is actually automated all the discovery of anti-money laundering, OFAC sanctions, and um, and another and another um, thing I'm missing. But basically it's saying, I'm going to exchange money with Kim and Kim's going to do this, right? Uh, from this IP address and this MAC address. Now me as the person who's investigating, I don't have to do much. I just have to understand the, the smart contract. <laughs> yeah. So now you have to do the conversion, right? That's that's the money laundering part. So not only are you talking about a cyber game now, cyber criminals are not dumb. Right? No. They're extremely brilliant, and they understand our sophistication because if they're saying, hey, I want you to wire me, I don't know, $4,998 within a day, and you want you to break that down in $1,000 increments, that's going to fly underneath every banking regulation radar, and you're not going to get picked up. Now, cryptocurrency has no regulation, right. so that's what they're asking. Hey, why don't you pay me in crypto? Well, you know, the government's trying to figure out how to get into that <laughs> The government's case. so far behind. I know. It's like when I read that a couple of weeks ago where it was like the IRS says, okay, you need to tell us every time that you exchange $10,000 in crypto. We're like, oh, yes, <laughs> let me raise my hand right now. This is <laughs> I want, actually I want you to my dinner table. Yeah, Come on exactly. down. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Dana. Dana. She is such a sweet person. She really and is. And her daughter, Peyton. I, I was on the phone with her last, this weekend. So so how did it start, do you think? So here's my perspective, right? You have, when I look over the text messages, when I look over the, there's a trend line, right? Aggressive, non-aggressive, um, uh, plateau, then aggressive, right? So you have somebody who definitely is exhibiting, I can't tell you not, and nothing's wrong with this, um, of somebody who is, I mean, might be mentally ill. And it's oh. a very erratic person. And then the most recent uh, text message that I saw was mentions of a bodily harm and physical harm. And this person now identifies with something differently. And it's just, it, it, you know, I definitely feel for her. Um, it's a definitely a person who's who's angry at the world and mm-hmm. wants to take it out on somebody. So this, but to me, this is a class act in a class A profile of a cyber stalker with aggressive intentions. Absolutely. So what what is somebody supposed to do when this so, happens? So this is kind of where it's very tough, right? Her and I, we actually went to two different police departments, and I worked with her, and we said, hey, here's what we got. Here's, what we're gonna, uh, here's our digital evidence. Can we go ahead and get a warrant? Because what's happening is the bigger company is like Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, because of privacy, and respectfully so, they'll hide who it is, right? However, don't think for one minute they're not logging who it is. Okay, so, but first we have to go to big tech and the social networks. And don't we have to, like, do a request for the records? So you can do it with a police report. You say, hey, there's a police report. Here's a request. And then big tech actually has the, the weight of the bearing and say no. They can say no at any given time. They even say no to police departments all the time. <laughs> nice, just thank like, you. Yeah, whatever, no problem. Well, they, are, they must be inundated. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. A lot of Snapchat cases that I work, because Snapchat only um, backs up your stuff for sixty days and then offshoots into the cold storage, right? And that means it's it's being isolated somewhere else, and then it rewrites over itself. So within a year, your Snapchat stuff is gone. 
even though they tell you it's gone within 30 seconds, no, it's not. It's still out there. It's still out there. Okay, so so let's say you want to get something from Facebook. Sure. You fill out that form. So here's the best route, right? And here's the best way I've seen this. Let's just say you have somebody, a perpetrator like a, a cyber stalker, right? And they're defaming you. They're saying some bad stuff about you. Here's what I would do. Get a civil complaint and say uh, to Facebook in the in the person of John Doe and the person you suspect and you put oh, their name. Okay. Right? And so at that point, you take it to the judge. The judge says, well, what's the problem? What's the damages? Well, here's what I think. The judge will say yes or no. The chances are the judges are very liberal. They'll just say, yeah, no problem. Cool. Granted. You go with that order. Now you go to Facebook or whatever social media and say, hey, I have an order now. I have a police report, even if it's an incident report. You compound those two things and say, I, am, I want this data now. However, Facebook is a, is a really bunch of smart asses, right? Um, they're like, cool, you want logs? And they'll just give you random shit. Oh, like, so then it's up to you to go yeah, through it. You, you have to, but let me ask you this, though. Let's take Dana, right? Would she know what to ask for? No, no, not at all. And and this is not a dig at her, but she just, that's not her wheelhouse, right? Exactly. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, I've always made the statement on my show is like, you don't want to talk politics with me. I mean, because <laughs> I just, I don't want to go there in my life. Yeah. You know, I mean, I also, I, you know, I have a financial manager for a reason, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I mean, if if you were talking to me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Tesla's a good stock. And then, you know, who knows? It's going to go down, right? right? right. <laughs> so we don't do that. That's why right. we let the pros do what they do. Exactly. And so, you know, Dana's a great mom, and she has her Wonderful. great business, and she does her thing. But yeah. you don't really know what to do. But the girl is getting this for like three months mm-hmm. before she even tells her mother. Yeah, so that means there was an appoint, the point of establishment and a point of contact at some point. I don't know what happened from October to December. Something happened. Like whether it was an established relationship or a separate point of contact. I think she told me that they met on Tinder. Okay, cool. So somebody's pissed off then. Yes. Somebody's mad that they got turned down and somebody's mad they didn't get some. That's, right. That's probably what it is. And then now with this, with the newer vindiction of a generation, they're just like, I'm going to hurt you. And this is what I'm going to do to you. And this is what they're doing. Right. Um, I From what I saw the text messages, there was an attempt at a cancel culture, but not really. Right. But at the same aspect, now that she, now this person just wants to be heard. They just like, hey, I'm gonna stalk you until you hear me, and why don't you like me? So your forensics goes beyond just the bits and the bites and the logs. Yeah. I mean, you really have to have come up with a, almost a psychological profile. Yeah. So you have to understand the person, right? You have to understand their threat actor, what what tools they're using, and then you develop this profile, right? Let's just say you have, you don't know what gender they are, so you just put person, right? What are they doing? They're hidden up on social media. Okay, that's their means of attack, right? What's the frequency? Once a day, got it, no problem. So now you just develop this profile that says, you know, profile 11001 likes to attack on the weekends, when they have social, when they have free time, on the social media as a means of attack, and they're usually vindictive and they want to cause harm. Now you have a profile. Now, the stalker is usually, I would guess, within one or two degrees of separation. This one, I believe, is a direct direct i i have a down we have a down to a specific person oh do you yeah so now it's a matter of um you know working with you know the big the big tech the big social medias and law enforcement and this is where law enforcement kind of just turns their you know blind eye or just kind of shrug their shoulders because they're so inundated inundated with handling the day-to-day domestic stuff you know whether it's doing a call uh, domestic violence or oh I got you know what you yeah. mentioned that I mean last night I'm driving back mm-hmm. from the Mayo Clinic my mom's in ICU oh, I'm sorry and uh, I was on 56th Street in Bell mm-hmm. this guy comes buzzing around me little tiny car mm-hmm. 
and I still have his license plate in my memory. <laughs> and it's quarter to nine, no lights on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, you know what? It's dark. I mean, either he's going to hit somebody or somebody's going to hit him. Yeah. And he, probably he was drinking because, sure. you know, you get in a car at night, you turn on the lights or they come on automatically. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I call 911. And I, I knew it was like a non-emergency, but I just heard, okay. So I called 911, and they had this whole recording. Oh, yeah. It says, you know, if this is not an emergency, don't bother us. And here's it in English, and here's it in Spanish. <laughs> and this goes on for like three minutes. Event's over by then. Okay. And I'm thinking, you know what? And then they say, they say this. So call Phoenix non-emergency, mm-hmm. 602-262-6151. Okay, so I'm driving. I can't remember that number. Okay. <laughs> so I... Said I, I said I googled Phoenix non police and that number pops up, which by the way is not linked. You can't click on it. Right. So now you have to enter it in. I'm like driving. <laughs> I'm doing this. I don't think I'm going to get an accident. Well, this yeah, guy. I'm going to get a ticket. Exactly. So I call a non emergency, and they do it in English, do it in Spanish. Someone will be with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there are all these sounds like a like an old modem sound. Yeah, the old school stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they say it again. Uh-huh. Okay. I was on hold for six minutes and I'm like, okay, this has been like 12 minutes since I saw the guy with no lights. Mm-hmm. I hope he's home by now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. I mean, it's no wonder why the citizen app, you've heard about that. Yeah. I, I mean, see it. you know, but their whole idea is that they're going to re- have this app and have people pay for private law enforcement. I mean, that's what the ultimate goal is. I could tell you what private law enforcement looks like. What? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I used to work for one of those companies. And it's only for the people who pay. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, we're going to take a quick break. And then we come back. Let's dive into Dana. Let's do it. And Peyton. And let's talk about what happened. And then tell people what to do if this happens to them. But I also want to talk a little bit about how this technology sometimes fosters paranoia. Hey, welcome back to Kim Commandos Explains. This is a great podcast, Rico. Well, thank you. It is. You're amazing. (laughs) From time to time, I get calls from people on the show where they swear that when they walk into a room, Mm -hmm. that the person, people in the store, they know what they had for lunch or what they did. Okay. Um, I had a person call me from, I think, Maine not too long ago where he was walking down the street and he swore that... um, People across the street were laughing at him. Okay. Um, people, when he walked into the Subway store, that they saw what he posted online because they said, hey, you, and he knew that they were talking. And uh, my response to these folks is always something that I don't want to offend them. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't want them to feel like, but I always tell them, you need to go to a higher authority. Right. You have to go to somebody who knows more than I do. And in that case in Maine, I told him, I said, you know, maybe you need to go to the police because maybe something may be happening. Right. And he told me that he went to the police. And the local police department told him that, yes, this was happening and that he should keep a log of every time it happens. But it's, it's a common occurrence when you get around phones. And so I'm like, there just seems to be some really we have mental health issues absolutely here in the United States but i think the the phone and the paranoia 
Absolutely. Is really fostering on that. So, so when do you know, when do you know, like, it's not paranoia versus this is really something that's happening to me? So I've seen it to where, you know, I call it the helicopter syndrome. Somebody will be like, oh, I actually worked a big, a well-known family here in Troon. Um, and they were like, hey, you need to come to the house. This person's uh, stalking me. They're they're listening to me. Uh, they're in my phone and stuff like that. And certain data elements just don't add up. And I said, well, let me ask you, like, why do you think that? And again, the second, the higher uh, point of authority, right? Um, let's talk about that. Let's walk logically walk it through. As soon as you walk in, you hear what, or you see what, right? Um, oh, they know what type of conversation I'm having. So it might be just a, you know, somebody, you might be logged in multiple areas, like iPhones notorious for this iMessage. Oh, sure. Yeah. You might left my iPad over there. Yeah. You see my messages. <laughs> uh, this is how tons of spouses get caught. Um, and, they're like, why do why they're, they're spying on me? Well, not necessarily. You actually just left it open. Yeah, you know. And another call <laughs> I got was a guy uh, asked me like, how does my wife know everywhere I'm going? Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I'm like, so where are you going? That you don't want her to go to? I mean, you know, <laughs> Home Depot. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, okay, yeah, I went to like the titty bar, mm-hmm. and she knew I was there, and. And I said, you know, are you leaving your Google account signed in? Yeah. And I walked him through right on the air. And I said, you know, I'm going to walk you through. When we come back, I want you to tell me what you found. And he comes in and goes, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, she knew everywhere he went Mm -hmm. without putting a tracker on the car or anything like that. All right. So we have Peyton. It is very frightening. Just do a Google takeout on your Gmail, see what comes up. Oh, really? Oh, my God. I haven't done that in a long time. There's a lot of data. Is it? Lots of data about you, about your per like, and you got to disable all that. You know, we should talk about Google Takeout at some point. Let's do it. We could do that. Um, all right. So Peyton and yes, Dana. Such a sweet person. All right. So what was what was your first course of action? You mentioned a little bit about getting the warrant and going to sure. the judge. And I think Dana told me the judge turned her down. Yeah. So this is where the gap of technology skill set of law enforcement play, right? And then now you have the compounding effect of big tech that doesn't want to play. So Poor data. She's probably on her own little island, right? So we'll do the best things we can. Is first we said, hey, let's go ahead and just start retaining certain things. I need a timeline, right? A timeline. Any investigation always starts with a timeline. When did it start? Why do you think it started? And who do you think it is? Whether it's right or wrong, just kind of tell me who do you think it is. Now, when she called me, she told me that somebody in law enforcement told her to clone her phone. You can do that. Yeah, you can do that. I was that. afraid she was going to ruin it. <laughs> no. So there's applications I use quite a bit, forensics tools. Um, I have like five of them. And you just give me the phone. We'll just go ahead. and It's called imaging, right? right. And it's called bit-by-bit imaging. And it's, it has a write blocker, which means we cannot write over the property. Which oh, is okay. Viewing. All right. So um, without the phone, it makes it very difficult to do cell phone forensics because you need a cell phone, right? Um, but same aspect, if you can get a backup of the phone, we can get it exported to me. I can start doing the meta dive deep analysis on that one. Okay. So you find the timeline mm-hmm. and then you figure out when this person. Yeah. So there's in a cyber stalking case, especially when it's presumed to be someone who's at a distance, there's always a handler, right? And so what you say is give me a timeline, give me some, you know, three or four key personnel, key stakeholders here persons of interest type deal, right? And then also you start looking at the different types of data and also different data elements and data devices. What does it mean of attack here? Back to our threat profile. It's just on social media, right? And messenger. So automatically that tells me it's somebody who's a little bit younger. 
Okay. And that's just kind of the way it is. Right. Um, text messages and emails is a little bit like person my age. Um, fax, I haven't seen yet, so we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's a fax, <laughs> we'll just forget it. Forget okay. About it. <laughs> uh, but so I'm like, okay, cool. So very affluent on the social media site, right? And Instagram and Finstas, right? Which is sure. the fake Instagrams, right? So I'm looking at these and I go, okay, so it's going to be somewhere between the ages of 16 to 27. That's my age bracket right okay. there. Cool, no problem. And then the most recent person, because this seems to be a very, very fresh wound. So what I'm thinking is somebody you pissed off lately. So let's go with those two things. Somebody between 16 to 27, and who did you piss off between October and now? Oh, there's this person, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about that person. And then that's the more and more that person comes out, the more and more their supposed handler. And this is why I think this person might be mentally ill is because this person is presuming multiple personalities. Yeah, because, you know, Dana told me that the person was helping. So that's, I'm telling you, that's a handler. Wow. Yeah. So, so the best thing at me as an, as an attacker, I need deception, right? I need to deceive you and I need to misdirect you. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what? You don't want to talk to Romeo Delta. Why would you want to talk to him? Right. And that's my pseudo name. Right. And that's an alternate personality. And that's what that person's doing. So now with technology on our hands, I can have two iPhones. I can have two multiple different messages now and just ping you back and forth and just follow your Instagram and figure out what you have for lunch. It's really easy, huh? It's absolutely easy. Very, very easy. So I guess the advice is to what? So if you're, in the, if you're you know, caught up in the moment and you start having a cyber stalker, your first thing is the documentation. Documentation preservation, right? You can write a letter to Instagram or social media and say, please go ahead and start doing a legal hold on my data. And they'll probably will do it, right? At that point, you have to, unfortunately, you have to start going on the judicial process. It's just the way it is. And the judicial process is so bureaucratic that it's going to get in your way. And we're seeing that now. And well, and because Dana told me, like, you know, she went to one department and they said, you have, you know, you have to go to this department. Yep. Then she told me, like, she went to that department. And they said, no, that, that department doesn't exist. Cyber <laughs> crimes unit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I exactly. So, <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, I felt so sorry for her. Yeah. So like the big, uh, you know, like the big law enforcement like NYPD, Miami Dates. And LA have cyber units, right? Because they're dealing with that quite a bit. A com- uh, you know, a department like that, they probably have some guy. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but they probably have a police officer who probably got hurt, right? Oh. And they said, hey, you're going to be now forensics. One, they don't have the technical acumen for that. And number two, they don't have the interest for that. So. And so here you got a guy or a gal who's, yeah. okay, yeah. I'll take that job, yeah. I guess. I guess. You know, 20 year pension, sure, why not? So. That's where it put, and it puts our, you know, our client, our customer in a very difficult position of what do I do now? And then that's where we come into play and say, Hey, here, here's the fundamental steps of incident response, right? One is what is it? Let's start documenting the preservation of the data, whether it's screenshots or something like that. Let's get a storyline going, right? Let's get a, let's get a timeline going and understanding who or what is pissing you off. Right. And then number three, understanding where these data elements are, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, or anything like that, and understanding the momentum of these, right? If it's email, even better. Give me those email headers, right? Sure. And, and we start doing the reverse uh, reverse IP address, right? We start understanding. Uh, I saw one where a gentleman actually created a fake um, a fake document from Turkey, right? <laughs> and through the, I was able to figure out from the different objects of uh, forensics in these in this document, I was I was able to figure out his MAC address and figure out where he was at. In the Word docs? Oh yeah, yeah. Because there, I know that there is a lot of data. 
when you get into there. Tons of data. What if somebody's using like something like Proton Mail or Hush Mail or Start so Mail or anything? You got to like have. So everyone says, "Oh, I have a VPN." I was like, "Even better, because that VPN service is probably logging your your sessions, and they're encrypting it, sure, but they're probably logging it, right?" Um, so what I always tell people is, if you're trying to be slick about it, definitely take an ethical hacking course, right? But I've seen people spoof their MAC address before they even start the, or when they start the a, a computer, they don't com- connect it to the network. They spoof their MAC address, right? Possibly even spoof their MEID number if they can. They do never uh, link up to their home address or anything like that. Then they fire it up, and then they they fire it up, and then they put in the VPN. Then they spoof that MAC address. It's so much more layered than you think it is. What about Tor? I would never recommend that. No. Now, it's so much malware out there. I mean, what do you? My first question is, why are you on tour? Oh, a lot of people think, well, you know, I want to be anonymous on the internet or whatever. Anonymous? Yeah, <laughs> I know there is no such thing. <laughs> okay, there is no such thing. You never do it from your house. <laughs> uh, what I would say is, the the slickest cyber criminal that I've ever seen was, I I applaud this person because I I was just so fascinated by this person how they did. They would actually go to pawn shops. And really? They, oh yeah, they were like, "Hey, how much for that laptop right there?" And they're like, "Oh, 10 bucks, 20 bucks." Oh, cool, right on. And the top pawn shop doesn't know. They're not tech experts, right? Sweet, no problem. And all you need is the OS processing. You just need the power, and they'll get this thing called Tails, right? Oh yeah, Tails. Yes. Yeah, plug it in. Now you have a faceless, you know, interface, and you say, "Okay, what do I want to do now?" And if you remember all these things like get app updates, um, you know, what tools you want to use, like Nmap, you know, uh, Wireshark or anything like that, um, it's game on. Right? Now, yeah. what did you think about, I, th- I was fascinated about this, uh, about when they took down the drug cartels mm-hmm. with the fake Anon app. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really amazing. T- tell me about the device that they were using, because it wasn't quite a phone, because it wouldn't use... It, it couldn't make phone calls, but it could send and receive these ano- so-called anonymous encrypted messages that sure. basically every copy went to law enforcement in whatever yeah. country and to the FBI and who knows who else. So those are called Nooks usually, right? They're little Raspberry Pis, right? You can buy them on Amazon for 30 bucks. And a Raspberry Pi is a, sm- is a dumb smart computer. If you say, hey, Raspberry Pi, I want you to call Rico Danielson every minute on the minute, it'll do that, and it won't stop until you, you unplug it. <laughs> so what happens is you get somebody who creates a, just a quick little app, says, hey, this is what we're going to use for payments. Uh, here's the encryption uh, message, and I put this little Raspberry Pi right here. I make it go internet facing, and I said, please, by all means, communicate with this. So what chances are, they probably put a Raspberry Pi, and then they probably put a, 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 it's called a, a tap, right, a network tap, which capturing all the network data as well. So where do you see this going in the future? I mean, your business, the, the oh business goodness. of trying to track all this down and uh, help people, companies, like you mentioned, the psychologist that There's you know, for $10,000 or a hospital. or I'm, You don't know me very well, but my glass is always half full. I mean, my son always says, like, my life is full of ponies, flowers, and unicorns, <laughs> you know, and, and the whole world could be just crumbling, and yeah. I'm sitting there going... Hi, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. Okay. And, but the thing that concerns me is that I see the attacks getting worse. Oh, yeah, more sophisticated. And I had read that some of these groups where they had like a moral code. They do. <laughs> that they won't attract, attack infrastructure, power grids, it's but true. it's kind of happening. Some, some are. Some are. Um, they're not really necessarily. Th- there's a code amongst, the, amongst these groups. There's a big code because once you screw them, they're going to screw you big time. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah. Like, once you're in the circle, right, the silent circle, um, 
you're in and you better not you better not backstab anybody because you're going to go to jail or you're going to be strung out to hunt and dry so we don't have to worry about the power grid coming down i think no matter what you do you have to worry about the power grid regardless you should always have a contingency plan and what i see happening is these cyber attacks are going to get worse and worse right low-hanging fruit such as you know the solopreneurs the Instagram influencers are going to get hit up twice as hard. Um, and and at the end of the day, our response is our responsibility, right? That's why I named my company First Responder, right? I said, hey, we will be your first responder. We'll help you out. But the same aspect, you got to help us out here, right? We're, we can only go so far because this is your data. So your data is your responsibility. Your response is your responsibility, right? So now the person who's consuming the data or creating the data, such as myself or yourself, um, you have to have a little bit of foresight of where your data is going, why is it going there, and how much security you have in place into it. So you have to further educate yourself. And what about cyber ransomware insurance? Uh, yeah, I actually just did a cyber negotiation. Last oh, week. did you? I did. I did for a million dollars. Oh, because I, you know what I, you know, buy it. Yeah, buy I, it. I, we have it. <laughs> we do have it. Yeah, because it's uh, you know, fortunately for me, we mm-hmm. don't have a so-called supply chain. Right. I mean. We do the show. Mm-hmm. The show goes from here. It goes to New York. Goes on the satellites, and then the individual stations pick them up. So, the, so there are some weak links. Mm-hmm. But in the satellite operations in New York, mm-hmm. there's a backup. Yeah. So if something were to happen here, sure, we hit a button, and we've learned because one time we um, we had to play the backup, and we didn't check the backup. I'm not going to yell at Mike because it was <laughs> by any means, but we hadn't checked the backup for our years nobody does right and so the show goes out on the air and i'm like talking about like oh yeah like windows 98 (laughs) (laughs) and it was valentine's day weekend too so you were talking about valentine's day and it was like (laughs) oh yeah that's right it was was like but now how often do we check the backup mike we check we make a new backup every couple every quarter that's right so at least it's not totally totally out of date so yeah bigger businesses right you should be doing that every day yes yes so your R, that's called RPO, RTO, recover point of ejection, recover point, uh, time of ejection. How fast can I re- recover and at what point can I recover? You know, we could talk to you for all day long, Rico. Yeah. You're amazing. Other way around. <laughs> any closing words? You know, I'm here to be a service. If anybody needs any help, please let me know. I'm always, I'll do the best I can for what you use, what I got. But First um, Responders, what's the website? Uh, firstresponder.us. Then that's number one, ST, responder.us. Got it. Yeah. Thank you, Rico. You know, as we get older in our lives, we start feeling like, you know, I think I'm doing the right thing. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I'm passionate about it. And I really love helping people. I truly do. It gives me such a great level of satisfaction. It's really the impact that you can have on somebody's life in a positive way, of course. And if there's something that I can help you with, I want you to go to our website. Go to commando.com, of course. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. And at the bottom of every single page, there's a link that says contact us. So if there's something happening in your digital life and you don't know where to turn, you don't know how you can get it done. And I'm not talking about a tech support issue. I'm talking about something bigger than that. I want you to go to the website and drop me an email. I read every single one. And that address again is commando.com. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. And while I have you, just a quick reminder, be sure that you follow me on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it. It's always like Instagram.com slash at Kim Commando, Facebook.com slash at Kim Commando. I know you're smart, so you can figure it out. 
And again, thanks for listening.